0: Source for Big Ten Talk Off Tackle Empire! Welcome to week four on Off Tackle Empire, where a vast majority of our teams are going to start conference play, and some of us have some Thursday night tuning up to do. I'm Steve Vrana, a.k.a. Thumposaurus, I'm Illinois representative, alongside my traffic co-host Andrew Kuszewski. We still didn't bother to bring anybody on for this week, but as we get into conference play, it's time, it's going to be time for us to have some diverse and opposing viewpoints on this show. But uh,
1: before, yet, before we do that, Thursday, 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 Chattanooga at Illinois remind me, why are we doing this? I, any part of it.
0: I have no idea. The opponent. Let's break this down. The day won.
1: the particular opponent. <laughs> we're
0: scheduled we've scheduled an FCS team. This was made in the last couple of years. Absolutely was. Illinois has a perfect record against FCS teams despite being one of the best or one of the worst teams in Power Five football for the last thirty years. Never lost to an FCS team. I've always said, yes, we're frequently the worst team in the Big Ten, but damn it, we occupy our spot at the bottom with dignity. Damn it. We're not out here losing to FCS teams. I don't think we're the worst in the Big Ten right now, because hi, Nebraska! <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, um,
1: Nebraska Northwestern, like, they're candidates. They're, no, I don't think Illinois is... I don't think you're on the medal stand for worst in the team. For
0: nevertheless, the Chattanooga is... Uh, well, last week, they were number 10 in FCS. Now, the Thursday thing, no idea. I have absolutely no possible idea... Why Illinois, which, again, draws a lot of alumni from Chicago, Indianapolis, and St. Louis. A lot of students from those areas. Point is, a lot of fans live in those areas. Doing a Thursday night game uh, as one of their home games. That absolutely mystifies me. Um, As for the actual game, we are... There's no line for this one yet. Um... Bill Connolly says that we should win by around 12.5 points, which is around what he was saying for Northwestern and Southern Illinois. Well,
1: that's not foreboding. <laughs>
0: uh, yep. So if I look at Chattanooga, Chattanooga in the Sagarin ratings is uh, 115, which puts them a few steps below Incarnate Word, um, quite a few above Southern Illinois, but also above the likes of Nevada, Ohio, Balls Tate, uh, quite a few FCS teams, but uh, let's see, where do they get? let's see, yeah, that, that puts them about 13 spots below Rutger, or below Northwestern, sorry, that's about, yeah, that's, that's close enough to, to, to Rutger. Uh, they they would be the, uh, let's see, lowest rated opponent, I believe, that we've played. <coughs> uh, let's find regular Virginia, okay. In any case... The thing that makes me nervous is that we've turned the ball over um, four times in each of our last two games, so we should probably not do that. Um, really, the thing I'm most concerned about is the play of the interior offensive line. Chase Brown has been asked to do an awful lot of work himself. He had, against Virginia, 100, er, no, against Indiana, 157 yards after contact. I mean, that's most of his yards. Uh... They're gonna to have to make it a little easier because uh, one of the best ways to ensure that you don't fumble is ensuring that you don't get hits in the backfield when you're not really when you're just getting the ball. Yeah, uh, that's definitely a way to cause fumbles is to get the exchange blown up. Um, the other thing Illinois really needs to get cleaned up again, the the fumbles, the officiating and shit. is just, <clears throat> just like the fumbles we have minimal control over really as far as coaching and working these kinks out. Illinois has been downright adorable with red zone play calling. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, some of this has to do with the fact that the interior offensive line is not mauling people like they did last year. So, dude feels he needs to be cute with the offensive play calling. Of course, this is also maybe a play caller, you know, trying to announce his arrival to the world with a really nifty play right in the red zone when it's most important. Uh, Could we use a big red zone target? Absolutely. Um... Thank God we matched the offers for our running backs, though. So anyway, we're at 77% win probability. Again, I I really like Bill Connolly's model. It does not see Northwestern Duke, but it sees many other things. (laughs) Um, So, I'm not going to lie. I'm nervous. I'm nervous only because it's a game we will get absolutely no credit for winning, it will be apocalyptic if we lose, considering that we already picked up a loss in a game that we played better than our opponent in.
1: Well, yes, but also, if the Indiana game should have and kind of needed to be a win, the Virginia game on paper going into the season was a loss. So, I actually think you're basically level so far. Yeah,
0: that, I mean that, that's actually level with what I said about my four and eight prediction. It involved a loss to Virginia and a win over Indiana. Um, it also involved beating Chattanooga.
1: Yeah, and it's not that you can't lose this game. Chattanooga is three and zero. It's been over an all FCS schedule so far. Preston Hutchinson is a capable dual threat quarterback, so he is going to be an extra dimension to account for. But this is still an FCS team. They are not a Dakota um, or you know a, a Richmond or a what have you. They're merely a pretty good FCS team. They
0: are also. Ex- Extremely pass heavy. They are somewhat one dimensional. In that regard, they haven't been able to run the ball against their FCS schedule or against their FCS schedule particularly well. Um, against Wofford, they did it just enough to keep running the ball down. But uh, when it comes to winning time, moving the ball, uh, they go to the air. It, you know, I think Illinois should be able to lean on the pass rush to take that out. Nevertheless, um, I am devoting enough time to let you know that, putting it on the record, I am concerned. I have concerns about Illinois' ability to beat Chattanooga. Of course, after that, they look good in that. Then they have three of the exact same game against Wisconsin, against Iowa, and against Minnesota. So... Could be a good, a good opportunity for a tune-up. And then a good. long rest before going on the road to play Wisconsin. And then again, at home for Wisconsin and then also Wisconsin.
1: And stylistically much more to Illinois liking uh, those three games that were to follow. Moving on to the Saturday slate. Um, chosen for Big Nude Saturday, Maryland at Michigan. Uh, it is
0: pumpkin time for the chariot that is Maryland.
1: Yeah, it earlier than it usually happens. Usually they get to 4-0 before this will happen. It's not is,
0: always that Penn State one where they were briefly ranked yeah, after taking down that's Syracuse. True. That's true, true. I mean... You know what the drill is. You, you've been here before. This yeah. is, You know what's going to happen.
1: It's still September, so perhaps Maryland finds a way to be feisty despite the plus 17 line for the home team. But more likely, Michigan just hustles them along to the usual second phase of their season where they, with increasing desperation, look at their schedule Like, where's the sixth win going to come from? Maybe they find it, maybe they don't. But either way, within two or three weeks of now, the rest of the conference will have tuned them out. Um, I guess it's fair to say Michigan's reloaded defense really has not been tested yet at all they do still have the talent to give Maryland's offensive line trouble both on the ground and in pass pro Michigan's secondary could be vulnerable it's really hard to say because again they haven't faced a quarterback or a receiver worth a damn yet
0: what are the weapons for Maryland though? we know Rakeem Jarrett is a big target uh, Jashon Jones has been kind of limited Dante Dimas has been invisible
1: it certainly seems that he's not back to his old self yet. Jacob Copeland is the other guy. With he's picked Jarrett. up a lot of the slack. Yeah. Um, I would guess as the season goes on, you probably see Demas round more into his form from last year. Uh, they've also found a freshman running back in Roman Hemby who looks every bit as explosive as the you know the McFarlans, the Fleet Davis, the, the sorts they've had in the back capable of. Of taking a run to the house if there's even a little bit of blocking or misalignment. So they have the weapons. They have the experienced quarterback. Their offensive line is still not very good. Uh, their defense is very suspect. I don't think Michigan's going to have any trouble moving the ball and scoring. The question is, is Maryland going to be able to keep up and make it a game? Uh, I tend to think probably not. But Just this because is. Has we been here before? We have. We have. We've seen this movie before. But it is true that this is probably the best overall club like look in the past maryland has looked good on offense it's usually much more about one star receiver and then a decent quarterback i think Vilo is better than the quarterbacks they've had in the last couple of coaching cycles i think this deeper this group of receivers is deeper maybe the running game isn't quite as deep and versatile because it's pretty much Hemby and nobody else
0: but we're only talking about the offense, because at some point the defense is going to need to get us Yeah, that is, That's really where yeah. this game is going to fall apart. Yeah, Even if... Honestly, could see Maryland come out and score on their first drive or two, you know, with scripted plays and stuff, but then probably just get hot knife through buttered on defense, and then when Maryland stops scoring, Michigan's not gonna.
1: Yeah, and then the game pressure turns up. You, I bet what you see is... Maybe you get late stages of the first quarter, maybe into the second, and it's like 14-17 or tied at 21 or something like that. And then Michigan scores a touchdown, and then Maryland has run out of scripted plays, and they commit a turnover, and Michigan scores again. And, you know, then the wheels kind of come off, and then Maryland goes three and out again. It's like, all right, now Michigan has a two-score lead and the ball, and they've scored twice in the last 90 seconds of game time or something like that. So... Um, that feels like the kind of script that we see here. I'd like to see something different. I like to see interesting things and Maryland getting into a four quarter game with Michigan would be a thing we haven't seen in a long time. Um, consider the over in this game, though. I don't know about the spread because 17 is a lot and Maryland can put, you know, put some points up and maybe beat that number on a back door or something. Um, but 62 and a half with two offenses capable of really moving the ball one defense that we think is pretty bad and another that we don't really know about, I think the over would be something you could consider there.
0: Well, because Harbaugh does probably want to get back to the mentality that you have when you are looking beyond the Big Ten season, which is Maryland is not an opponent to defeat. Maryland is an opportunity to, like, check out what you got on offense and just just kind of, like... We're gonna try out some new things we've been working on at this concert tonight and just well it's gonna you kinda know, vibe, kinda jam.
1: Would, I would think that would be a little truer if they hadn't just played three games in a row where they did that. Um they've their backup so their now backup Kate McNamara is already injured. Unless until they pull J.J. McCarthy, I kinda think they're gonna be going full bore all engines ahead, trying to score and get their starters. Play all the hits. Yeah, get their starters as many reps against something that's closer, at least, to the competition they need to beat to get to their goals. So, anyway, I think the over is the good play there. I don't know about the spread so much. I'm fairly confident Michigan wins this game. I would like to see an interesting game, at least, but who knows. Um, other game in the noon slot, if you're not tickled by the big nude, would be Central Michigan at Penn State. Probably a well-advised cool-down stretch for the Nittany Lions after that stress test at Auburn. Um, not that it was stressful, but certainly difficult. Um, this I still will be f- a
0: weird game where the, uh, best, or the most successful running back on the field is not going to be a factor, because I do not think that the Lou Canoe is going to have anything for this Penn State defensive front.
1: No, uh, and it's Central Michigan has a collection of skill players. They do, but their offensive line is not going to be able to stand up to Penn State's defensive front, in particular. Um, and I, they I mean, did
0: some weird things against Oklahoma State late. They can also throw the ball reasonably well. Yep, in addition to, of course, the Lou Canoe, yeah, Lou Nichols, we were talking about.
1: Yeah, Richardson's a decent quarterback. Um, McGoey, I think is how you say his yeah. name. The receiver they have remaining, um, as well as. Uh, uh, the other guy, Dallas Dixon. Um, so they have a couple of weapons on the perimeter. It's not like it's just thirty carries a game for Lou Nichols and nothing else. But still, it's a twenty-six point line for a reason. On the one hand, I don't know if I would be comfortable laying that many points with an offense that you know can still have its misfiring tendencies with Penn State. It only takes kind of one tweak for to uh, to Sean Clifford for you to be dealing with Drew Aller in a larger sample size again. But they've played Aller in all their games so far, I believe. Plainly, they don't intend to preserve his red shirt. So maybe you end up seeing a little bit more deliberate action and more competitive game scripts for the backups, and it ends up staying kind of close. I don't these know things about
0: where the... it remains close near halftime, and then they go, ah shit. We better play our generational talent at running back, give some carries to Nick Singleton, and he takes the to touchdowns.
1: Maybe so. I think the more likely case would be they build a big lead, and then do they end up maintaining the margin? Who can say? Um, I can't see the overhitting either 60-and-a-half when Penn State's going to need to do most of that scoring themselves. Something like a 49-14 score would get you there, I suppose. Because um, Lou
0: Nichols does not have breakaway speed relative to Penn State athletes. No, he's
1: not going to have any 60-plus-yard touchdowns most likely. So, yeah, um, I don't expect there to be a whole lot of drama in this game.
0: Just, you know, as a Mac enthusiast, I am excited for us to finally get beyond September, patch up the many holes in the wounded blue canoe, and go to war, baby. I mean, God, this is the problem with these Mac... With all these MAC games, is that especially with the offensive line play struggling like it has? Yeah. If you're a MAC team, do you even play your starters in games like this anymore? Because a lot—I mean, Brett Gabbard is down for a long
1: time after they played Kentucky. Thoroughly derailed Miami's season. Yeah, yeah
0: that's a big problem. I mean, they they, they went up on Cincinnati uh, ten, uh, seven nothing, and then were outscored like thirty-eight
1: 30, to ten the yeah, rest of
0: the way, something like that.
1: Um, Okay, moving on to the afternoon shift. Speaking of Cincinnati, Indiana returns the home-and-home, this time going to Nippert Stadium. Bearcats favored by 17. I get that Indiana is a very, very tenuous 3-0 here, but that line does feel a little disrespectful for a Cincinnati team that hasn't really found their footing and fully reloaded yet. Um, They didn't exactly blow away Miami peroxide, and... Although I think this game is probably still a loss for the Hoosiers, I could see them keeping it within that margin. Indiana is at 3-0 and ahead of schedule on their road back to a bowl game. This is probably a loss. I think if there's a game script that is favorable for Indiana, it would actually be letting Connor Bazalak cut it loose, turning away from the run game, frankly. I do not expect Indiana's offensive line to make much in the way, way of running lanes. It's
0: just not performed very well this year. I, no. I do think, I mean, well, it's... Look at how they won the last two games that they shouldn't have won. It was it was Connor Basilak just kind of getting away with stuff,
1: winging it to a couple of really good receivers. So I don't expect the Hoosiers to pull off the win, but perhaps they keep it close. I would I would think they do. I think they beat this number last year, and that was even after McFadden got ejected. I think Penix had already been hurt by the time they got to this game. So anyway, other afternoon. so are, are you
0: telling me though that? Indiana would be best served by using a really, really cheap first-person shooter strategy. Just being Camper the whole time. <laughs> just Camper. Just just, fucking Camper,
1: man. Just fucking camping, Noob. noob. <laughs> Other afternoon game. I'm actually going to be at this just one. Using cover. Uh, Minnesota at Michigan State, where the Spartans are plus three at home. I don't really know what to make of this. On the one hand, after their performance last week, I don't, I'm not confident that Michigan State could even stop the Big Ten West passing offenses, if you know what I mean by that. If Minnesota wants to explore what the ceiling of their passing game is without Chris Ottman-Bell, this would be the game to do it. Um, Michigan State's pass rush was thoroughly stymied by Washington's offensive line. I think Minnesota's is comparable. I don't really know about their pass blocking as much because they never have to do it. Um We will see if Jacob Slade is able to play in this game. He was a surprise scratch against Washington last week, an excellent defensive tackle for MSU. If he is able to play, I would feel pretty good about Michigan State's ability to control the Minnesota run game. And if that's the case, then maybe we're in good shape here. But I am not confident that Michigan State's going to be able to do much on offense. Minnesota's defense is a cut above anything that we've seen so far. Washington might have a more athletic front than they do, but Minnesota's secondary is considerably better.
0: Well, as you know, the top three receivers for Minnesota all have hyphenated last names. And Chris Oppenbell, Revan Spanford, Michael Brown, Stevens. Yeah. Take one of those guys off, and that was now you're mean. dealing with Clay Geary, Dylan Wright, make it Brockington. Uh, those are not guys with hyphenated last names. Brockington has enough syllables for a hyphenated last name, but does not have a hyphen in it.
1: I'm just going to put a hyphen in it, brocking hyphen ton, um, and we'll get to where we need to be. Uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. So a couple of important players that are up in the air for Michigan State. I expect Jaden Reed will play as well. He was out against Washington after gashing his back, sliding into a bench after a catch mm-hmm. against Akron. Kind of a freak injury, but not something that should keep him out. I would hope that he and Slade are both able to go and that that makes a meaningful difference. Those are couple of their better players at a couple of important positions. Um, Bullock, Minnesota's had plenty of time to tune themselves up. They should certainly have the basics of their game plan down pat. Uh, it's been a lot more un- bumpy of a ride for Michigan State. I think Minnesota probably wins the game. I hope to be wrong. Um, and I don't think it's going to be a runaway either way. I can't. It, the, the only thing that gives me any pause is... If Minnesota does get momentum going on the ground, uh, Michigan State's offense is capable of turning in multiple three-and-outs long periods of inactivity. You still feel like they're on the table. So if it has the vibe that the first quarter of the Washington game did last week at any point, this could be a problem.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's it's the uh, object that has a hard time moving versus uh not much of a force as far as passing game is concerned. It's a weird stylistic matchup. a team that can be exploited by the pass is a team that does not like to pass.
1: Yeah, and so again, yeah, like it's <laughs> it's gonna be an interesting choice for PJ Fleck and his offensive staff here. They know how they know the easier way to move the ball here. But they also know what they prefer to do. <laughs> so I'm gonna be interested to see. Um You know, we even last season there were definitely games. You know, Michigan turned to a much more pass-oriented game script against Michigan State than they had previously. MSU ended up winning the game, but not because Cade McNamara had a bad game. Um, Hunter Johnson had probably the best passing game Northwestern had seen recently on larger volume of attempts. It's it's really. Most opposing coaches end up being like, I can't give my, I can't pass up. and give my quarterback a and chance to work at against all this the
0: group. Weird ass results that Michigan State has had against the Big Ten West in the last five or so years. It is a random number generator. I don't want there to. There is absolutely <laughs> no way to predict what is going to happen here. So let's go to the night slate. Florida Atlantic at Purdue.
1: Why at night? Why is this game at night? It's 19 and a half point margin for Purdue at home over a crappy opponent. I don't know why we put these games tonight. This should be a noon game. What are we doing here? I, I would say the same thing about Miami-Ohio at Northwestern, but they're only a six-and-a-half-point favorite against a MAC team playing a backup quarterback. So that's about all there needs to be said about that game, I think.
0: And that, uh, that according to a couple of statistical models, is a
1: pretty generous line for Northwestern.
0: Uh, Sagarin
1: has Miami-Ohio
0: one <laughs> spot better than Northwestern.
1: <laughs> I. I have to assume that some of those stats are still baking in Miami's efficiency when Gabbert was still healthy. I Like they really don't feel like the same kind of threat without him, but I guess we'll see. Uh, this Northwestern defense has made a couple of uh, who is this quarterback look pretty good this year. What I guess is going to be presented as the big game of the conference this week, Wisconsin at Ohio State. I mean, sure, put this on ABC if you want. It's an 18-point line, and Wisconsin probably does not have – offensive firepower to keep it close. Ohio State's defense feels like they're going to be much better prepared for a guy like Braylon Allen than they might have been the last couple years. Maybe Wisconsin's defensive front can make enough mud up front that, you know, Ohio State's been on and off with the run game when they've actually turned to it in good volume and balance. It's worked. But they've also had a couple of underwhelming lines for Travion Henderson, so Maybe they end up cuting themselves into a game here. But I well, don't let's know. Let's be
0: clear about what we're talking about. Ohio State has, for the last 10 years, won this game every single time. Yeah. If Ohio State. I mean, if this is even a single digit game, really, with the kind of team that Wisconsin is, especially if Ohio State loses this game, it's the beginning of the end of the Ryan Day era. And I say that with no hyperbole. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen, I don't think there's any way. Yeah, it,
1: it, would this take, it would take... style of
0: team should not be within two squirts of this particular Ohio State team. No. That's really all there is to it.
1: Um, okay, I, who cares, though? That's the real question, is who cares? Because if you're, an audi- if you're in the audience of this podcast, you shouldn't be watching this game anyway. Because in the same time frame, I think half an hour difference in the kick time, you can instead tune... To the off empire, and I'm sure the sickos committee game of the week. Iowa at Rutgers. So,
0: you have a team that has no idea what quarterback it's going to play on any given down versus, versus a team <laughs> that knows that-
1: exactly who they're going to play, even though he's the worst goddamn quarterback I've seen bar none in this conference. And that includes the Art Sitkowski era at Rutgers. At least he tried to do something.
0: So that is quite the matchup. These are teams that value more than winning. They value setting up the punt. More than winning, they value time of possession.
1: All-time punter collision, by the way, in the senior editions of Tory Taylor and Adam Korsak. This Legitimately,
0: is there will be no better punter matchup the whole time, and they will be given... Plenty of opportunities. Do you think we see more than
1: 16 punts? It's a lot of possessions. That implies basically that there's going to be several possessions. You, you would, so let's see, to get to that many punts. I basically, so if you run the ball, three downs, full play clock. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, but I think, we, I think we can get there. I think we can get 16 punts. I mean, that's, that's eight apiece. You figure, in a typical game, what's a team get? Usually 9, 10, 11 possessions, something like that. I think we can do it. I think we can do 16 punts.
0: Rutgers is not Nevada. Rutgers has proven that they have a capable defense. Yeah. And that a capable defense might not be their ceiling, but that is all it takes
1: and so the other item of note here is, is there any chance that betting the over is a sensible move? 30, 35 and a half.
0: 35 and a half points. We're talking a 20 to 17 Rutgers win. Hits the, over. the over. would
1: hit Would hit the over.
0: The... The... Illinois Penn State 20 to 18-9 overtime game, which famously didn't even come close to hitting the <laughs> would hit the over here.
1: Oh, circle this one with your sicko Sharpie folks. This is gonna be potentially an all-timer.
0: Frankly, you know what? I'm glad that this involves Rutgers and just not watch. a Big just, Ten West team.
1: Just watch. It's gonna it's gonna end up being like 38-35. I'm so. glad <laughs> that it
0: involves Rutgers and not a Big Ten West team because the end of this game would. Immediately invoke the end of divisions in the middle of the year. If it were...
1: <laughs> the, the Big Ten athletic directors have convened and decided enough is enough. <laughs> we are not going to send one of these teams. We are not risking sending one of these teams to the conference title game. We are doing away with these divisions and doing either a rematch of the game or just Penn State goes and plays Ohio State. It, 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 we're not, we are not risking this. We can't. The stakes are too high.
0: And Rutgers, of course, takes the um, whatever trophy Nutgers plays for, and hopefully it will, in fact, give them the wherewithal they need to, uh, to, to, to grind this game out, because I, because I do not remember any fan base complaining louder about Rutgers being added to the Big Ten than Iowa. <laughs> and I can think of nothing funnier than a five to three Rutgers win here. Um, I, I, I did see something recently that that uh, some survey that showed the uh, most sexually active college campuses, and of the Big Ten, <laughs> two teams in the top five: Rutgers at number two, Illinois at number five. Putting the nut in Illinois baby. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Enough talking about that absolutely disgusting game. What else we got nationwide? Kent State continues their death march as they go to Georgia after playing Washington and Oklahoma already. Uh, Clemson hosts Woke Forest, perhaps the matchup of the week. Um Oh, no, it's not, because the Iron Skillet game happens between TCU and SMU. In the first year, after Sonny Dyke's switch teams went from SMU over to TCU, that game's currently set as a pick Should be an absolutely, massively entertaining game. Let's see, how can I turn... Are you kidding me? It's on ESPNU. <laughs> you can't make Goodness it up. Gracious. You can't make it up with these people.
0: Wow, actually, that Missouri-Auburn game I was talking about is this week.
1: Yeah, um... <laughs> Undefeated Duke and undefeated Kansas, the People's Game Day is also going to be on the slate this week. We mentioned that TFFL's chosen propaganda station of the day is Florida-Tennessee, even though Arkansas-Texas A&M is an objectively better and more likely more impactful game. I know they're going to say, look, it's two ranked teams, it's two name brands.
0: Wait, why is Tennessee ranked number 11 again?
1: Oh, whatever. Michigan State was ranked number 11 last week. Who cares? Yeah, we'll see how that goes. But Florida's quarterback actually has not thrown a touchdown this year and has three tackles because <laughs> of the number of interceptions he's thrown. Uh, Hawaii, New Mexico State is certainly a game that's happening. That's that's one for... Uh, you need to call the number. On all those commercials you hear on the radio and TV all the time, you, you need to call the number they refer to and read off really quick at the end.
0: Well, when I'm looking... For I'm looking for the I'm looking at these ticket prices on ESPN. A massive, massive inflation for the Iron Skillet Battle. We're talking well over 170 for yeah. those. But you know what? Other game has triple-digit tickets. Indiana at Cincinnati for some reason, but also James Madison at Appalachian State. Now that should absolutely be a barn burner for no other reason than that it involves Appalachian State which has played nothing but extremely dramatic games through three weeks of the season.
1: It's true. They're, they have been the most look-at-me program of the year in a way that I kind of dig. Um, if James that's... Madison has a
0: very high-powered offense. they yeah. Their transition to FBS has been going swimmingly. Yeah,
1: up in the Sun Belt now. Right, Sun Belt? Yeah.
0: Yep, Fun Belt.
1: I didn't see anything else that interested me, but again, I'm going to be attending the MSU game in person, so... I'm not likely to see much of anything. I may catch the latter half of late games, the earlier half of the noon games, depending on where we end up. But UConn of the
0: week goes to North Carolina State playing UConn. Yukon <laughs> Hey, UConn got to get, get paid, son.
1: Their basketball team makes money, doesn't it? Shouldn't it?
0: Yeah. Hey. UConn got to get paid, son. And a suddenly resurgent Wyoming...
1: Takes on BYU. Talk about a win that's aging pretty well, actually.
0: I can't, well, look, anytime you get hammered by Illinois, my immediate assumption is you're about to go and 12 and fire your coach.
1: <laughs> and, hey, look, history has borne that out the last few years. But, uh, yeah, absolutely Wyoming got themselves off the mat. It it really did look like they might be terrible after that week zero, but uh, have, have acquitted themselves pretty well, I have to say. And,
0: um... The latest game of the week is going to be, of course, you have an Arizona State zombie game at 10.30. uh, Herm Edwards against Utah. Stanford (laughs) at Washington. And then Western Michigan at San Jose State. I don't know why, but that interests me.
1: Yeah, Western Michigan's non-con this year has been Michigan State, Pitt, and San Jose State. So they've played two teams that are the Spartans. I don't know what that's about. I think maybe Pat Narduzzi saw the movie Troy, or three, probably three hundred more likely, and was like, "This is the coolest thing ever." I gotta do everything I can to to like remember this movie and always be living the plot, kind of. That's the only thing I can think of. I don't know what else causes you to agree to go to San Jose State as a Mac team. They can't be getting paid for that. San Jose State's like in the same realm of athletic funds as they are. Why would you?
0: Mountain West is a tier above. Is it? Oh yeah, Mountain West for sure is probably. Got, I mean, the American's probably the biggest one and then Mountain West I'm sorry the Big 12 is the biggest non-power conference and then wow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then it's probably the American then Mountain West is the next one down we, we say that until like the Big 12 is the smaller fish that just distends its jaw and eats the bigger fish of the Pac-12 always like. a bigger fish <laughs> or fish with a bigger mouth uh, yeah
0: well yes of course especially if it involved Texas at any time fish will definitely have a bigger mouth bigger mouth for sure